Hello beautiful souls, welcome to Conscious Revolution Podcast. I'm your host Shivani and this is the place where we talk about mind, body and spirit. Today is a really interesting episode because we are diving into the mind-body connection through our guts. Our gut is the powerhouse. It is the uh, the gem of the solar plexus. It's the power, literally the power. Solar plexus is all about power and it fuels us. What happens when our guts are uh, polluted? What happens when our guts are uh, not operating at its best? The fuel, the powerhouse, when that is not operational, a lot of things start going wrong in our bodies, in our mind, and in all the ways that we be in our lives. Today, I will be diving deeper into this topic with Wellness Chef and Atmosphere founder Rebecca Sood. And I'm super excited for this one because I've been following Rebecca for a while and I uh, I absolutely love her work and her kombuchas. And absolutely, she is a trailblazer in uh, presenting a new way of living, a healthy uh easily affordable and accessible way of uh, being in the in the modern urban uh, landscape of India so it's super amazing to have her on board today and we will be exploring the physical mechanics of our gut uh, its response its reaction its operation we'll be diving deeper into Rebecca's personal food journey of healing her gut how she threads her multi-diverse background of being outside India, of being a foreigner and yet being born and brought up and living in India. So it's really interesting to uh, dive deeper into this episode as she also shares how she started Atmosphere Studio and how she shares her uh, medicine uh, and how people respond to it with such an open heart. Uh, we also dived a bit into experiencing our perspectives on the gut-mind relationship as well as the emotional healing, which gut healing always opens us to. So I really hope you enjoy this episode and take notes because this one is power-packed, power-packed with a lot of powerful punches uh, of uh, gut healing gems. So um, dive in, take a notebook. Rebecca, I am so happy and excited to connect to you today. Thank you so much for being here. Wow, I have been following you for a while and to really be here and do this with you, it's just so exciting. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's really nice to be here. I'm excited to, uh, to chat with you today. Yes, and this is such a beautiful topic, honestly, because I think right now, there is a segment which is kind of like really awakening to the gut brain connection and there's a segment which is really awakening to their bodies to their health and i think this is one topic which is which in my opinion kind of is bridging the two segments so amazingly so first of all love all your work thanks for sharing your medicine thanks for sharing your work it's just so wonderful to see people actually share their work and it being accepted and loved on 
such a scale. It's truly an inspiration, I think, for anyone and everyone out there who knows there is something which has healed them and there's something that they have to offer to the world. So my first question from you would definitely be, would be like, how did it all start? Like, how did gut healing, this topic, this medicine first came to you before it made its way to the world? Yeah, so I mean, you know, I think a lot of these stories, they start with a challenge, you know, so I think um, I actually, so I grew up in India, a little bit background, my family is from the United States, but um, my parents moved to India in 1992, and we grew up in the Himalayas, so in a small town called Missouri, <clears throat> living a very kind of like rustic life, where, you know, if we had bread, we would make it from scratch, you know, if we you know, we would we we were cooking in the kitchen. Everything was you know from the local market, um, and so we lived. You know, we ate a very um, a very healthy diet. And my gut issues started when I I went to college, so to university in the United States, and um, which is a very like wheat braced diet. And for us growing up in India, my mom was not actually, she was not super interested in making bread or like making chapatis or anything like she thought that was like, she thought Indian women were like so hardcore, you know, cause she was like, I would never roll out that many chapatis. And so we just ate a lot of rice growing up, you know? So I think unintentionally we were sort of on this like low gluten kind of diet. Um, and and even in, in my teenage years, like I started having some, I would say more like mental food issues, you know, like I think as a teenage girl, um, body image issues, and then in connection with food as well. I think some of those issues started um, even as a teenager in high school, trying to be skinny, trying to be fashionable, all of those things that, you know, now feel so stupid to me at the time were so, so important. And so... I think I started having a challenging relationship with food in high school. But then when I went to college in the United States, um, we, I switched to essentially what was a wheat-based diet. You know, like the Western diet is very, very heavy in bread. You know, it's like pancakes, wheat, um, bread, pizza, a lot of these, you know, wheat-based things, a lot of cakes, a lot of scones, a lot of muffins. Um, and started like having severe gut troubles. Um, and, you know, that in addition to sort of this like insecurity with food and with my body, um, you know, kind of is what sort of pushed me onto this journey of being very interested in, you know, I think I, think I was experiencing um, multiple layers of uh, dysfunction with like food and with my body so you know some of them some of it was you know that I'm eating food and I'm not feeling great on a daily basis I'm really not feeling good um and then I'm also not maybe wasn't happy with the way you know I when I went to when I started college they always say that you gain that freshman 15 you know well I really did gain the freshman 15 and I felt awful because you know none of my clothes would fit I think that's the worst part actually is just um having to go out and buy new clothes. Um, and, and so I think that's just sort of what launched me onto this journey of, you know, like understanding and wanting to have a deeper connection with food and with my body and just wanting to feel good and be at peace in my own skin.
Mm, thank you for sharing that beautiful I think it's just so unique I think first of all uh, for you to uh, be from the United States and to have your childhood in India and to have this uh, very unconventional culture uh, growing up and this beat mm. your food and the, your environment and all of that stuff like and I, and I love that part where you said how the western diet is mostly wheat based and I think that's what off late in India, we have been really kind of like our diets are really shifting towards that. I think breads, mm. pizza, burgers, pancakes, oats, like we're just shifting so much towards grains and uh, mm. more towards grain, even though our technically our uh, traditional diets have like a balanced all kind of foods. But uh, mm. off late, most of I think anybody who is in their 20s or in the teen- teenage years or I think even in their 30s our conventional diets have become very westernized for that matter mm-hmm. so really really it was beautiful to kind of like know where you're coming from and how I'm really interested kind of like excited to know how did it that that journey led you to did you kind of like get more books did you kind of like find more teachers workshops like my that's my kind of like way of going all in (laughs) how was it for you yeah so I mean I'm an avid researcher for sure both of my parents are academics they both have PhDs um and so so you know I love reading books I think that's definitely one of my favorite ways to attain knowledge and so it did you know like it started with when I was in university I was I was actually appalled by the lack of nutrition books in my college's library because there weren't that many. And I read every single one of them um, when I was in college, you know, and then started buying more books, learning more. So it was a a lot of books. Definitely um, is how I started, you know, just kind of like learning about different approaches to nutrition, different diets, different doctors, you know, and their philosophies on food as medicine. Um, and then also like some psychological things too, you know, so um, examining that like relationship that women have with food and with their bodies and um, how some of that is cultural, some of that is psychological. Um, and um, I think for me, you know, it was maybe because I grew up in multiple cultures, I just kind of felt a little lost in that, in that area. And so it was, I was, you know, very eager to just kind of learn more about it overall um and and then when I was so a couple of years after university I was living in a small town in China um in the Tibetan area like the Tibetan region of China and um I uh had some friends who some like women who were sort of in this group of of exercising together and we would meet every morning and we would exercise together and um I loved it because I've, I've always been very active and I was always an athlete in school and stuff like that. But, um, you know, at one point in that group, um, the women decided that they wanted to do like a anti-inflammatory diet together. So they wanted to sort of like join together and all do this diet at once. Um, and that was sort of for me, like the beginning of like really coming to peace in my body with food. And I think a big part of it was like doing it in a community of women. We were still see- meeting each other every day. We were we would send um, we would WhatsApp each other photos of everything we ate. So um, 
there was sort of one, there was this accountability of like, okay, I have to make a nice meal because I have to show it to everyone. Um, but there was also all of this encouragement if you're like, okay, well, like I can't eat gluten, I can't eat sugar, what am I going to make? Suddenly you get all these photos of what everyone else has made for dinner and you're like, oh, okay, this is a great idea. I'm going to try this or, you know, oh, that looks so cool. I'll try it tomorrow for dinner or things like that. So um, plus just, I think, you know, the the support of doing this together for me was was just very, very helpful. And in terms of not only maybe sticking to the program or experiencing that physical transformation, but also um, I think like in terms of just like being able to emotionally handle it, socially handle it, you know, eating is a very social thing. Um, and I remember you know, I was terrified during this program to go to somebody's house for, uh, for lunch, you know, and, and then, so I just kind of canceled all of my plans. <laughs> I was just like, I'm not in town, you know, even though I was in town. Um, and then I remember one of the other women on the group, she, she was messaging um, and she was like, listen, like I'm supposed to meet this lady tomorrow. And I know she always bakes for me when I come you know and I don't know what to do like I have to meet her tomorrow um but like I don't want to like I'm not going to eat whatever she bakes you know and so then all of the other women were sort of like chiming in with their advice you know and they're like why don't you message her before tell her how much you value her but like you know you're doing this cleanse so you don't want to have anything that contains any of these ingredients but you're really looking forward to seeing her just things like that that sort of help with help with I think for me, one, it helped me like normalize like eating clean and eating healthy because I would struggle with um, like maybe I'd be eat, eat really healthy at home, but then I'd go out with someone and then I'd be like, okay, like you want to have pizza? I'll have pizza, you know? Um, and then I would feel awful about it later because um, like that's not something that suited my body or gave me good energy or made me feel good. So um so yeah, it was very helpful to sort of like have a group of women that you could, I could kind of talk to and sort of like feed off of and feel encouraged by. Mm. And um, that's, that's how I really started to like learn how to eat in a way that was very nourishing to me. I think that's just so relatable for, I think not just me, I'm sure a lot of people listening because I think we all, I think specifically in a lot of like regional countries, food is a way how we connect. Food is a way how our grandmoms show their love and food is kind of like, it has memory that the taste, it like a single kind of like a taste of a fruit or a food can really take us to our childhood. That's the essence and the power of food, I think. And uh, so, yes, that's I think just so powerful how you ex- brought in the idea of having healthy boundaries of actually women mm. supporting each other into uh, kind of like conveying your message in a more loving graceful kind of way because I think this is something mm. which a lot of us kind of struggle with because we feel like feel kind of like pressured to uh, and I think it can play out in two different ways one we want to fit in so we would sometimes really, really cross our own boundaries and actually do things which we would probably wouldn't do otherwise. But we just want to fit in. We want to please people. That kind of like really kind of comes in on board. And on the other side, it's also like we're unable to communicate our boundaries. We're unable to communicate why are we doing this? And I think when I say that, 
what's really like kind of like clicking in our mind is like maybe a lot of times we're not able to speak that so clearly is because even we are not very sure 100 100% sure why are we doing this uh Mm. A lot of times, perhaps our goals are very scattered. Perhaps we have not got so deep with to why are we following a particular diet or are we doing it because mm. it's a trend? Are we doing it because it's everybody's doing it and it's cool right now? Or are we doing it because we just want to lose some instant weight for the wedding? <laughs> like what's our why behind? And that's something I kind of like get a lot because, and I, and I really want to get with you on board with it about the mindset. Mm. So, um, Yes. Uh, what have you kind of like gathered throughout your journey about uh, about actually having food as like really rethinking the concept of food, not just mm. as something we do to just celebrate, not just to do something to just, you know, satisfy your emotional urges <laughs> uh, or to kind of like uh, crave that sugar craving multiple stuff how does how has your way of thinking really shifted and how has that kind of helped you to actually make a real substantial shift in the way you eat the way you live and perhaps actually for you even the way you share this knowledge this uh, understanding mm. with other people yeah i mean i think you know food is it's a very complicated thing because it's you know especially in india food is very very cultural um and i've grown up here so i know what it's like to go to someone's house and eat way more than you ever intended to eat you know like um or you know what it's like to feel pressured to eat or feel like you have to and um i you know i know all about that because um, I did grow up here, you know, and I, I know, you know, we would go when we were growing up. I remember um, I, honestly, like avoiding going to meals with like when I was a teenager and I was, you know, trying to be very thin and like, um, you know, I'd, I'd avoid going out with my parents to their friends' houses because I was like, they're going to force me to eat, you know, <laughs> and I don't want to. Um, and so, you know, it, it is very challenging here in this culture. And I think, um, but I think something that's really important to realize is that, you know, food is a medium for love, right? Like here, I think, you know, people show their love through food. And, and while that's really special and it's really beautiful, the love is still there, even if the food isn't. Um, and so I think it's, it's, you know, it's really important to be able to distinctify that and to be able to, you know, to know that um, and to be able to talk about it as well. I think. Um, you know, like for, for a lot of people, there's, it's hard, it's hard to articulate to other people that you're not going to eat something or why you're not going to eat something. Um, But I think if you do, it actually, one, it, it, it makes you articulate it to yourself, right? Um, It makes you get to get to the root of why you're doing something. Um, And if you can articulate that to others, then um, you're much more likely to be able to like stick to it. Um, and it also, it also helps us deal with, I think as women, we have a lot of shame around our bodies and we have a lot of shame around food and our bodies. And so the reason why, you know, a lot of people get pressured into eating or they get pressured into um, doing certain things or, or they're unable to stand up for themselves is because of that intrinsic shame um where you feel like 
people feel like, okay, I don't, I, I know that I'm supposed to be gluten-free right now, but I don't want to talk about it with this person, or I don't mm-hmm. want, you know, I don't want people to know that because that's the secret. And I'm, you know, like maybe ashamed of why I even have to be gluten-free. Maybe I feel like there's just something bad about my body or whatever it is. Um, and so I think, you know, being able to articulate it first helps you deal with that because, um, you know, at the end of the day, if you go to your, you know, if you go to your auntie's house or whoever it is, and she's feeding you fratas that are making you feel sick, and if, if, or, or are just making your body look in a way that you don't want it to look, um, I think if you could be open and open and honest with her about that, she would be happy to, you know, feed you something else, feed, feed you a cucumber salad or whatever it is, you know, or, um, or just have a cup of tea with you, right? And not necessarily eat at all. Um, because nobody really wants you to, like, I think I, I had so many instances where I would leave somebody's home feeling like really sick, you know, and be like, I don't think that they want that, you know, like they, they meant to show love to me, but here I am like allowing that to turn into destruction in my body. Um, It's still a challenge because not everyone will understand. And I think that's something that you just have to accept, you know, is like there, there are going to be people out there who just think, you know, eating healthy is a trend or it's a farce. And, um, and those people, you know, they're entitled to their opinions and that's, perfectly fine but it's important to be able to know um what works for your body you know and to be able to stick to that because you know at the end of the day you know what you put in your body it's like one of the most personal things that you do I mean it's you're you're literally putting things into your own body um that are then you know being digested being turned into energy and you want those things to be things that are truly giving you energy and not draining you of energy like think about think about a meal that you've had where you felt like completely exhausted and like bloated and tired afterwards. Um, That is not the purpose of food. (laughs) And uh, the purpose of food is to energize us and to, you know, to give us life. And Mm -hmm. so if, you know, if on an individual level, if the food that you're eating or the food that I'm eating is not doing that, I think it's really important to examine that and to figure out why. And to gain an understanding of, you know, how to, how to change that. So how to intuitively start to learn about what foods suit you personally and what, which foods don't. And then to be able to articulate that, you know, so to easily just be able to say, well, actually, you know, thank you so much for um, this, but I, it, this, this actually just doesn't suit my body. It just, my body just can't digest it. So I, I don't want to have that right now. Thank you, you know. So to be able to actually say that to someone and to be comfortable with that is uh, so important um, and such a, an act of self-love, right? Because you're creating that boundary around yourself. Um, and, and, and what I found is like, I'm someone who I was like, I'm, a, I'm pretty agreeable. I don't like to make a big fuss around myself. I, that's my personality. So it was very challenging for me to create some of these boundaries, especially with people I didn't know very well. But even with people I did know very well, like I remember when I started eating differently, you know, and then I went to visit my sister and she was like, oh, I made you all of this cake, you know? And I was like, "Uh, I'm not gonna have that, you know? And she was like mad at me because she was like, well, I went through all this effort for you and you're not having it, you know? 
Um, so sometimes it's, it's hardest, you know, with the people who are closest to you. But I think the more you articulate it, um, the less you can avoid these awkward situations. Mm, and I love how do you kind of like you put it, it as an act of self-love. And I think when we can have these honest conversations and these honest whys and uh, these ideas around why am I doing this or what is the reason why I'm doing this? And that's because I really care about my body or this is how it's going to impact my energy or this is how it's going to impact how I feel in my body, in my mind also. Um, I think that's where once we get honest with ourselves, we can get really honest with others too. So I absolutely Mm. love that kind of like place. Uh, I would love to know how did the journey of discovering kombucha come into your life so much that you are now selling kombuchas (laughs) in a place which has been like, I think in India, it's still really new. It's still something which I'll be honest, a lot of people are in the mainstream still very hesitant about it. Like, okay, what's that? Mm -hmm. So how did that pan out? How did that come into your life? And how did you feel that really that call to kind of like really take it into serious consideration, not just for yourself, but for other people as well? Before we move forward, I would want to interrupt you for a minute and talk to you about DLL membership. What is DLL membership? DLL membership is a beautiful soul-led path that I have created that has channeled through me last year in the midst of the pandemic, a space where I educate you, where I share with you my lessons, my learnings, my workshops, around the energetic work around the spiritual work the mindset work that has crossed my path that has come into my life and taught me what really spiritual awakening meant this work has taught me and shown me what does it mean to awaken and break the cycles, to awaken and stop living life the way we have always lived and choose a new path, choose a new way, choose a way that our soul desires to and that it is possible, it is very much possible if only we dare to look at our wounds, if only we dare to dream that there is a possibility a new of living life in a new way of a new world and doing the work to rewire those neural pathways to create those new beliefs these new stories um if this is the kind of work which moves you which inspires you which makes you feel like you want to get all in then check out the deal membership it's a beautiful space with um tons of workshops, uh, meditations, uh, workbooks, an opportunity to really do the work. You also get to uh, seek my personal support. So check it out and I really hope to see you inside. Now back to your podcast conversation. Yeah, so I discovered kombucha um, in my first year of university. And like, incidentally, that was when I was having a lot of gut troubles um, and really struggling with my gut. And um, I 
I, you know, and it was before kombucha really became popular in the United States too. So it was sort of this like, you know, unusual kind of like healthy thing there as well. So, so kind of like, I would say at that point in time, kombucha was even less recognized than it is in India right now, or maybe around the same. It was, you know, it was very out there. And um, I had some friends who maybe had tried it or knew about it. And I was very much, you know, in kind of like, I was researching about food and I was, you know, sort of talking with people who were really into that kind of thing. And um, so I remember I went to the organic food store and I picked up a bottle of kombucha and it was, and I was, I was like a completely like broke college student. Like I literally didn't have any money. And so it was like $3 and 50 cents, which felt like a lot, you know, <laughs> it was like, it really felt like a lot. Um, and so, you know, I bought it and I drank it and immediately, um, I like started to feel lighter and my digestion kind of speed up. I think I sped up. I think I like went to the washroom soon after and just kind of like my whole body like cleared out. And I felt, I felt like instantly I just felt better. Um, and, and I think that was sort of the beginning of my like love affair with kombucha. It took me you know, from that moment, it took me a couple of months before I could find a culture to make it myself. But I knew I had to make it myself because um, because it was so expensive, I wasn't going to be able to afford to buy it. And so um, in, um, I think one year, I had a friend who was making it actually um, had this, this new girl join our college and she um, had actually worked at a kombucha factory. So she had been like a professional kombucha brewer. And um, I, you know, I was like, please teach me. And so she taught me how to make kombucha. She, you know, helped me buy everything, gave me my first cultures, you know, helped me make the tea, brew it. Um, she would come over every day and sort of like check on it with me and show me like what it looked like and what it should taste like and that sort of thing. And then um, after that, you know, I just, I was, a, I was a kombucha maker. I always had these jars of fermenting kombucha in my college dorm room. And, um, you know, I would share it around with people, but mostly I would just consume it for myself. I didn't really think of it at that time. I didn't really think of it as like a beverage. Um, you know, I just, it was just kind of like my little secret, like gut tonic that I made for myself. Um, and I didn't flavor it with fruit or anything. I would just drink it uh, like unflavored kombucha. So that was, yeah, that was the first, uh, first, you know, five, six years of consuming kombucha. I was just, it was just for myself it was not it wasn't something I ever thought I would share with anyone yeah yeah I love that and I think most of the things which kind of like uh, we work for ourselves uh, we do it for ourselves we do it for our own healing and that kind of like has a whole different energy to it when you kind mm -hmm. of like go out and talk about it and share with the world because you mm -hmm. are literally your own uh, expert first experiment ever <laughs> Hmm. yeah and, absolutely I mean I do feel that way with so many of the things that we do is yeah. that I am like the first experiment you know <laughs> yeah 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 it's like we end up becoming the lab uh the lab rats for that matter to kind of like know hmm. that this is something that we are not just selling this is not something that we are just doing 
uh, from a place to make money or doing from a place to commercialize it. But it's something that we know in our bones that it has healed us. It's helped us when I think for mm. you, perhaps nothing else would have in, in this mm. way. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. How did it come all the way from the U.S. to India? <laughs> and how did atmosphere both through you? Yeah, so I mean, I I was, a, you know, I was making kombucha throughout my travels. So I lived in China for a while, I would make kombucha there. Um, and then when I, I moved back to India in 2015, 16, 15, I moved back to India 2015. And um, then that's when I kind of realized, like, nobody's really making kombucha here. And um, I had visited, like I visited a kombucha brewery, like an actual factory in Bali and started to get an understanding of how to make kombucha on a commercial level in a professional way. And um, when I moved back to India, I think the first thing I was, I just kind of noticed like, okay, there's no kombucha in India yet. Um, and I started kind of like thinking about it, you know, essentially in the beginning, it was just sort of like, yeah, maybe we could sell kombucha, but you know, you, no one was really sure if Indians would really take to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, in 2016, my sister and I, we moved to Delhi and we started living here in the city. Um, before that, we, I was in Missouri in the mountains with my family. And um, then we just started, we were both working corporate jobs. I was working with Fab India. She was working with Organic India. But we were making kombucha and we started sharing it with our friends. You know, that's how it started. And they really liked it. We had people coming back wanting more and more. Um, my sister was working as a nutritionist and she um, would have clients who had like a probiotic need, you know, a probiotic deficiency. Mm. And there was not really anything she felt like she could prescribe to them, especially if they were someone who like dairy wouldn't suit them because your main source of probiotics in India is from dahi. Um, but so, so she started giving it to her clients as well. And that's really how it st- started to become a business was when you know, she started giving it to her clients. Um, and then we started serving it in restaurants and started packaging it and put it into stores. And we did our first event um, in 2018 at Select City Walk. We rented a little stall. And I remember, <laughs> I remember like when we set up our stall, we li- literally didn't have like anything. Like we didn't have a logo. We didn't have any like branding, you know, and we kind of just like brought our bottles, you know, and set them up on the table. And the organizers were like, what are you doing? Like, this looks terrible. <laughs> and so I like called my sister and I was like, quick, <laughs> buy as many flowers as you can, you know, and we just kind of like, and I was like, bring a white sheet, you know, and so she just, we just sort of covered the table with a white sheet and sprinkled flowers everywhere. And um, that was our first ever stall, but we sold all of the kombucha that we brought, you know, we completely sold out at that market. Um, You know, we sold kombucha to people who didn't even know what it was. And that's when we realized um, that there was, there was a big business opportunity. Yeah. It's just so juicy and so exciting. Honestly, I love how ideas come into form. I love a story like that. Uh, So in your opinion, even though you felt like you were hesitant as to how it will be received, slow and steady, it kind of like made sense as to uh, 
it doesn't matter what region, what culture you kind of like come to. Everybody is kind of open to uh, a healthier lifestyle, a healthier body, a healthier gut. So with yeah. having like so many people kind of like getting converted into kombucha drinkers and uh, I know a lot of people also use kombucha as an alternative to those two drinks to alcohol as a beverage mm. alternative <clears throat> yeah so uh, yes uh, how do you think like apart from its healing uh, what do you say attributes uh, what have you particularly noticed in women specifically because I see a lot of uh, your post talking about hormonal health and the relationship between your gut and your hormones. So how do you think kind of like probiotics and all this really play a role in the way we really operate in our day-to-day lives, our energy levels, in our moods? Um, how, how does it all play out? Yeah. So, I mean, the gut is essentially, you know, it's like the engine of your body, right? Like it's where you digest food. It's where you take in energy from your food. Um, A healthy gut is a healthy you. It really is, you know, and there's a huge connection, a lot of research being done, you know, with, with your gut health in relation to your skin, your gut health in relation to your mental health, your gut health in relation to your hormones. But you know, without going deep into the specific scienceiness of it, um, <clears throat> if you have, you know, if you have an, <clears throat> a well-functioning gut, you're going to have a faster metabolism. You're going to have more balanced hormones. Um, you're going to be more nourished because you're going to be able to extract more vitamins and nutrients from the food that you're consuming. And you're going to have more balanced body weight. Um, you know, an unhealthy gut, um, you know, is, is going to be very stressful for your body um, because you won't, you'll be malnourished. Even if you're consuming a lot of food, you might still be malnourished. You'll be storing, you know, things as fat that don't need to be stored as fat. Your metabolism will slow down, which will cause uh, toxicity in the body. It will cause weight gain. It'll cause thyroid disorders. It'll, um, and, it, and then, you know, like if, if your gut is stressed, um, you know, your body is going to be releasing things like more cortisol and more insulin, which are hormones that we use to, that we use to manage stress or to manage um, a large sugar intake. Um, and then your body's not going to have the energy to create things like progesterone or, you know, some of those lovely like feminine hormones that we need in order to feel calm and safe and happy, we might be producing the wrong kinds of estrogen. Um, and so, and so, you know, if your if your gut is unhealthy, <clears throat> all of these things can can kind of like spill out of that. And a lot of times, actually, you know, if someone has a hormonal imbalance, the first thing they need to do is heal their gut. And and you know, 80, 90% of the time, healing your gut will actually fix that hormonal imbalance on its own. Um, There might be a little bit of tweaking here and there, maybe some herbs that can help or some lifestyle practices. Um, But healing the gut is so, so important. And when it comes to bacteria and probiotics, you know, like we have more bacterial cells in our gut that are foreign bacteria. So essentially probiotics or bad bacteria which <laughs> live in our large intestine then we do cells in our body we have more bacteria in our body than we we have 
new cells in your body, you know? So bacteria are huge. They're a big part of what's affecting the way that you feel. They're a big part of how your body's functioning. And you want to make sure that that bacteria that you have in your, bo your body is bacteria that's good bacteria, that's working for you, that's making you healthier, and not bad bacteria that's kind of slowing you down and making you unhealthier. So um, <clears throat> the gut really is, you know, I think, and I think a lot of doctors and scientists are realizing it more and more every year that, you know, and, but it was also something that, you know, like <clears throat> you have, you know, like <clears throat> all disease begins in the gut is one of the oldest medical sayings that is has been a part of human history right so it's something that we've always known um but it's something that i think we're relearning now as well and not just i think diseases in body but also uh there's such a deeper connection with uh how our guts react to when there's trauma in our body when mm. there is emotional suppression and uh emotional pain in our bodies when uh because i'm just so it's it's just such an insightful uh topic I, honestly for me because i'm still diving so deep into the beautiful relationship between uh trauma healing and gut healing like that's something mm. which is just such an exciting topic because i've really not heard a lot of people talking about it um, yeah. until probably a year or two ago <laughs> and uh, i loved yeah. how you said about how it actually um, most of us I think we know with the modern lifestyles we're kind of like running on dominant masculine energy which kind of explains as you said less feminine lovely hormones which calm you down we are most of the times in a sympathetic nervous system and that's kind of like uh, a lot of times we do meditations and of course all of that work but our body also has such a beautiful role in the holistic healing it's not just the body and I think a lot of us kind of like get stuck to either doing the mindset or spiritual work or just doing the body work where it's actually mm. just everything is just so interconnected so uh yeah absolutely and I think like um it really with with the gut brain connection it goes both ways you know there are certain disorders for instance like <clears throat> IBS um which is like very much linked to anxiety. People with anxiety tend to have IBS. People with IBS tend to have anxiety. What is IBS? It's anxiety of the gut, you know, essentially. So, you know, <clears throat> it's, you know, I mean, in one way, it's a chicken or an egg situation. Yeah. Um, in the other sense, if you want to heal your IBS, you have to work on both, right? If you want to heal your anxiety, you can't just go to a psychologist to work on your anxiety or take anxiety medication you need to figure out what's going on with your gut because <clears throat> is that anxiety stemming from the gut you know is it the brain sympathizing with the gut or is it the gut sympathizing with the mm. brain it could be some of both you know and it could be yes. a vicious cycle um but you have to address them both in order to mm. to you know to get true healing and 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 similarly you know like with depression is is very much related to gut imbalances a bacterial imbalance in the gut um and you know stress is very much related to acidity and like um stomach disorders as well and i think it's interesting because I was a uh, couple of months ago doing um, like a gut healing reset. And part of that reset was to do, 
you know, deep belly breathing, breathing and to, to do a self massage, you know, on your belly and to, you know, take time to, to meditate as well as part of a gut healing protocol, you know, so it was Mm. very like mind oriented. Um, And I found that like I had been um, experiencing like a bacterial disorder, like a bacterial imbalance. And I tried like many, many things to solve it. Um, And it wasn't until I really incorporated some of these and I was doing, you know, I'd done all these crazy diets. Um, but it wasn't until I was able to sort of incorporate some of these more mental things in as well that I found true healing from that. So Yeah, and whatever you're saying, it's kind of like making so much sense even to, uh, from a very spiritual standpoint of view also, like um, mm. our uh, gut is the solar plexus chakra and uh, most of our shadows are formed in the lowest three chakras, the root chakra, the uh, sacral, uh, which is uh, where our reproductive organs are and solar plexus is our gut and these are the places where fear shame guilt kind of gets stored and Mm. it just so beautifully ties in with what you just said that of course anxiety roots from when you're ungrounded anxiety stems from unhealed trauma anxiety does stem Mm. from when we have this fear and this uh lack of self-esteem confidence power which is all such uh an extension of the solar plexus chakra energy and when you have all of those places unhealed it physically, mentally, emotionally, because if it's manifesting in your physical, it is most likely coming from your spiritual, mental, emotional unhealing as well. So yes, it all just ties so beautifully. Like, of course, as you said, it's that chicken and egg situation where you just don't know what's causing what and just one way of healing does not work. So uh, mm. what would you say to somebody who's just starting their gut healing journey uh, in, a, in a very physical way? How can they start making little shifts? Uh, or maybe perhaps they never knew about kombucha before and they're just starting out. Because I know it can just feel like, okay, where to start, how to start. And to, in full honesty, I'm also not a pro at that. Uh, I've had kombuchas and I've enjoyed them and I understand the value of them, but I have still not 100% dive deep into it. So mm-hmm. what would you really kind of like say to somebody who is, just like where do I begin (laughs) yeah so I mean there's lots of there's lots of places to go um but I'll give you some like some practical tips and then I'll tell you about like a few things that we have going on um that people can join as well um but you know when it comes to your gut I think it's very individual so if, if I tell you that I'm gluten-free and that works for my gut, that doesn't mean that you need to go gluten-free, for instance. You know, there's no one size fits all. That's why it's complicated, um, but it's also beautiful in that way. Um, and so, so, you know, just start paying attention. If you feel like, if you feel sick, go back and say, okay, like today I feel bloated or I feel heavy. What, did I, what have I eaten in the last 24 hours? You know, then notice the next time again like what is what is it that I've eaten recently that I'm feeling this way and then you you might figure it out it might be something obscure you know like I think at one point I realized that I was allergic to brinjal um Mm. and it took me the longest time you know and um I would go I would go home to my home in Missouri and every time I went home my um like my cook there would make us bengan kabasa and she made the best you know 
And every time I was there, I would get sick. I would, I mean, I would just feel like really bloated and really inflamed and my skin would be patchy, you know? And I was like, why does this happen every time I come home, you know? And then one day I was like, I think, and then I think one day I made Brinjal at home and I was like, it's the Brinjal. Like I had no idea, you know? Um, and, and so interesting because I do follow an Ayurvedic diet as well. And even Ayurveda is not a fan of Brinjal. <laughs> Like yeah, yeah. I mean, so them. is it's yeah. a night it's a nightshade, and yeah. uh, which is which is a vegetable that can cause allergens for a lot of people, for a lot of different people. Um, but again, it was something for me that was very obscure. But once I realized it, like you, you like I'll never eat brinjal, you know, because it makes me feel so sick. That even though I love it, like I used to really love it, like I just won't eat it anymore because like. And it's so it's that's something that's very easy, you know, it's like a very easy thing for me to avoid. Um, so, you know, definitely starting to build that body consciousness, that body awareness in relation to food, you know, and it can be even things like coffee or tea, you know, do you feel anxious and jittery after you have caffeine? Do you really need to have those things? Can you change them with something else, you know? Um, and then, you know, for anyone who who really wants to dive deeper, we do an atmosphere, like every couple of months, we do a little gut reset um, that people can sign up for. And essentially, it's a little program where we kind of guide you through um, eliminating foods that a lot of people tend to be allergic to. So things like gluten, sugar, dairy, which are things that are more or less for most people, not great for your gut. Um, so we eliminate those things and then we sort of go through a program where we eliminate different food groups to see um, for people to just sort of gain an awareness of how different food groups are suiting them. Like I'll tell you for me, like one example is like I love rice, you know, and I'm not allergic to rice. Um, but if I eat a lot of rice on a daily basis, the way most people do, um, you know, I start to puff out a little bit. And so, <laughs> and so one thing I've realized for myself is like if I eliminate things like rice and grains uh, from my diet like <clears throat> I do tend to like you know be more lean in my body um, which isn't to say that I'll never eat them but you know now I've sort of realized okay like if I <clears throat> if I eat this then this is gonna happen um, so maybe I can you know instead of eating a large portion portion of rice you know I can think of rice as like a dessert you know so it's like I'll mm -hmm. have it um, you know, maybe a couple of times a week, but I won't have it daily at every meal, for instance. Mm. Um, so just kind of like getting like that better understanding of, you know, how different foods affect your body in the short term, in terms of how you feel directly after them. And in the long term, you know, do certain things like, just like suddenly make you gain weight, do certain things make you lose weight, do certain things um, in the long run, you know, help you sleep better, do certain things, keep you awake at night, those kind of things. Um, and so, so yeah, so we have a, a program. It's like a, I think it's like a 14 to day program where we sort of lead people through a gut reset. And we talk about a lot of different foods. We talk about tactics. We give everyone a meal plan. We give everyone, you know, all of the recipes that they need. And then we do the program together, you know, and we all share our experiences. And so that's a great way um, to learn about gut health, especially if someone's having, if they know that there's a specific issue that they want to deal with and they haven't been able to find um, mm. like a proper solution to it. Yeah. 
And drinking kombucha is great for everyone. You know, it doesn't have to be so serious. We try to make kombucha that's tasty and easy to drink and easy to incorporate into your, incorporate into your life. Um, good probiotics are helpful for just about everyone. So I would definitely recommend, you know, um, anyone to make sure that they're getting probiotics on a regular basis. And kombucha mm. is a good source of that, but it's not the only source. You know, there's also yogurt, there's kefir, there's sauerkraut, there's, you know, uh, pickles that are fermented, like they're actually fermented at home. All of these mm. are great sources of probiotics. Beautiful, amazing. I mean, I swear I was at a coffee shop, uh, I think last month or something. And uh, I kind of like really, really avoid coffee because I have noticed to have like some serious anxiety. Um, I was a coffee drinker back in college, but ever since I realized like, okay, it's not working out. <laughs> and so most of the times I would end up at, cof- at a coffee shop to work or something, I would have to like eat something. I literally had nothing to drink because it was a coffee shop. <laughs> And just, I was so glad to find a, to find a kombucha the other day. And I was like, oh, finally, we have other beverages. We have something to kind of like just drink. And yes, it was just so, just so calming and healing because uh, most of the times I'm sitting in a coffee shop, it's just so much stimulation. And then there's so much of yeah. coffee. <laughs> Yeah. And so, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we can just start it. I think uh, the program seems really exciting. So for anybody who is kind of uh, uh, interested to start, I think this seems like a really good place to give it a go and uh, to kind of like start including these fun elements in our diets, in our everyday diets and to experiment, I think. And I think what I really gathered from you uh, when you spoke about it is like about intuitive eating. It's not about what a specific study says, what a teacher says, what somebody says. It's about you noticing in your body, you noticing in your everyday lifestyle, in your energy levels and the way you feel. And that can only happen when you carve out the time and the space to connect to yourself to know, okay, this food makes me feel good. This does not make me feel good. And if it does not make mm-hmm. you feel good and you're still going after it, then perhaps I think a little bit of uh, self-reflection there can really, really help you uh, to know, mm-hmm. okay, I know it's bad for me. How you said, like you love brinjals, but you, once you understood that it's not working out for you, you kind of did not feel that pull. But a lot of us, like if it's something, one of most often than not like I know um, for me it's that gooey creamy foods the comfort food which kind of like really attracts me and in Ayurveda they say uh, like attracts like so I have like a lot more kapha in my body system and I kind of like crave that foods but I just know now that now and now that I know better it's not kind of like really the best choice for me mm. so uh, just and also I think I read somewhere like a lot of us, when our guts are unhealed, we can really mix intuitive heal- uh, eating with uh, unhealed gut because we feel like, oh, I feel I'm craving this, so I should have this. But mm. when your gut is unhealed, you can sometimes actually be craving things which are not actually good for you. Have you ever? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, that's why, you know, that's why we do do this gut reset program. Because, and it's true, like, you know, in the beginning of the program, everyone just wants to eat sugar. Their body is craving sugar. Now, just because you're craving sugar doesn't mean you should be eating sugar, right? So I think a lot of times what happens in modern life is we have all of these foods that are overstimulating. 
that actually override our body's intrinsic craving for nutrition. And so, um, and so, which is why we do a gut reset to sort of help us kind of like strip away those sugar cravings, those carb cravings to get back to like what your body actually needs. Because when you stop eating a lot of sugar, you stop eating a lot of bread, you stop eating a lot of these very stimulating foods, um, you start craving, you know, things like pumpkin seeds or vegetables, you know, and cravings that you never knew that you had, um, which is your body telling you that it needs specific nutrients. Mm-hmm. like a lot of women for instance crave chocolate you know like there's this whole you know period chocolate kind of connection um that's a magnesium craving we a lot yeah. you know we in modern life we we have a lack of magnesium um and so and chocolate contains magnesium it's not chocolate we're craving it's magnesium that we crave you know um but and you know there's a reason for it yeah yeah and most of the times i think uh, a lot of magnesium deficient kind of leads to headaches and anxiety especially during or before or after your periods and i think that mm-hmm. can that kind of like explains where it's really coming from but i just said yeah. yes uh i absolutely enjoy this conversation so much and i wish we could kind of like just go so much deeper but i guess we'll probably do a future podcast on that uh, This was so insightful, Rebecca. This was just so beautiful to get to know you, your journey and uh, your medicine, which you're just sharing so beautifully with the world. So where can people find you and all the beautiful work that you do? Yeah, so you can find find us on Instagram, atmosphere.in, you know, is where I do my work. Um, and our website is www.atmospherestudio.in. We do regular gut health programs. And we also have a blog where we have a lot of really interesting articles about gut health and different things that people might uh, want to learn about. Um, you can also find me personally on Instagram as Rebecca Himalayan. And um, yeah, I hope to, hope to hear from all of you. <laughs> Thank Thanks you so, so much, Shivani. Thank you, Rebecca, so much for being here. And uh, hopefully, uh, we'll get to have many more exciting collaborations. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that was a delightful, a wonderful conversation with Rebecca. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed interviewing her. Uh, if you want to find more about Rebecca, if this is your first time hearing about her, I suggest you to follow the show notes and follow the links and uh, you'll be delighted at everything that she shares on her Instagram and everything that she offers and creates at it, it for Studio. So I will see you soon and uh, stay tuned for the next episode.